How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome to Dug Too Deep, the officially unofficial podcast for the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power on Amazon Prime. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron Deer. Oh, no. Do I have to call you that? Because that'll <laughs> no, be very confusing. No. Okay. No, but I was I was pleasantly surprised there's an Aaron in Middle Earth and he's a badass uh, mm-hmm. uh, gray elf, man. Uh, elf wa- warden ranger something. Is that is that somewhere between like elf and dark elf I'm, I'm getting my fantasy bearings here you can't drop gray elf on me and expect me to know yeah what the hell that is. yeah well i mean the, I, so i barely know and only because the lorehound's excellent elf primer but there's like varieties of elves that are largely differentiated by whether they've heeded the call of the valinar to go to whatever the the, the land of valar and whether they made it and where they stayed anyway these are the ones the elves that I think they're called the Grey Elves because they they didn't go to the Undying Lands. They were never mm. exposed to that beautiful, warm light that Galadriel and everybody goes crazy about. They're okay. really really big on light therapy. Those elves, yeah, it helps. It's huge seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, yeah. They, they those trees go down and just like ah, they got to go to war. <laughs> What what'd uh, you think? I'm cu- I'm dying. What did you think? Because you're like, I I was worried about what I would think, but I was super worried about what you would think because <laughs> holy, I'm a lot, I'm a lot more attuned to this kind of fantasy bullshit wavelength. What did you think? Yeah, it was a lot, but I, I was pleasantly surprised because it wasn't as much as I expected, honestly. I And, and maybe it was because I knew the name Galadriel already. From that, was your, like, that was your, that was your wooby. You just clung to Galadriel. Uh-huh. I, I Yep, and and the the first episode focuses quite a bit on her, so I th- that was nice. Um, it brought me some familiarity there. Uh, and you I cling to Gladrill the way Lex cling to Unix in Jurassic Park. Oh, I this is this is Gladrill. Yeah. I I know this. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I I don't know. Shut down the the trees. Um, <laughs> reboot the trees. Is that a thing you can do? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. See, it's fantasy. It's all new to me. Uh, the Valar I, spared no expense on those trees. Let me tell you. And Amazon spared no expense on this show because, I mean, literally they didn't. They they spent almost a half billion dollars just. I, I've on heard production. it. So the the latest thing I read this morning was a billion because they spent two hundred and fifty million dollars on the rights alone, uh-huh. and then I guess five hundred million on making the you know the first season, and then uh-huh. I think the other two hundred fifty must be in the marketing because. I, I know you've seen the marketing. It's been everywhere. Yeah, I saw it at the movie theater, which is a rarity. Like a trailer, just a full on trailer. Like like not in the Maria Munoz bullshit section, like in the big boy. <laughs> this is a trailer section. Yeah, um, and I think it paid off. I mean, it it's on the screen, man. I, I will say I don't think I've ever seen a show look better than this show does. Um even even House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones, all that stuff, I, I think is like a notch below 
what you can do with half a billion dollars uh, pumped into a single season of television. Surprise, Especially if you're surprise. talking beauty, because uh-huh. like I think House of the Dragons is no slouch in the visual department. And there's even some like I was just noticing, like just open windows behind Viserys and seeing the the narrow sea and the sun shining on King's Landing. Like it's, it's there is some moments of color and like your heart kind of lifts, but it's every other scene. Like everything is so beautiful and colorful mm-hmm. and just otherworldly. Yeah, no, it really feels like you're in that world um, in a way that other shows occasionally you see the cracks like I, uh, you get a dragon riding scene in House of the Dragon Game of Thrones. You're going to see the track, the cracks. Uh, this doesn't have any cracks as best I can tell. Everything looked completely real. And so I was I was drawn in by that. And I think the story, you know, as much as I'm afraid of fantasy stories because they often just deal in huge sweeping archetypes of characters who have no real personal stakes in anything because the stakes are so high they necessarily apply to everyone i I think there are some interesting like more grounded lower stakes stuff in in this episode and i appreciated that and it's yeah it's i guess like when i say i'm pleasantly surprised that's the thing i expected to go into this having to be like, oh, Jesus, okay, ignore that, ignore that. Uh, all right, this person's name is is just Elf Ears 2, and this person's name is Elf Ears 3, <laughs> Knife Ears, whatever. I, I don't know whoa, 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 whoa. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna use slurs in this podcast? Uh, Holy shit. Holy shit. Cover your ears. Uh, but I, Your I leaf-shaped, your beautiful leaf-shaped, majestic <laughs> elven ears. I, but I was definitely surprised by how how much of the personal stakes felt real in this too. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I ended up enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah, I was, I was, I'd started to kind of be afraid of this project because I, I've, I've said as much, not very much. Cause I, I try not to shit on something preemptively. This is a perfect example. Why? But those last two trailers I thought were pretty rough. Like, I thought, like, man, they really leaned into the, you know, like the high fantasy of it all. And Mm -hmm. that's what I was worried about. I was like, you know, this is great because I like that, you know, um, big, sweeping, badass, gothic, you know, uh, these these night beasts tearing into griffins and smashing to the grounds. But like, if that's if that's all it is, it can feel very kind of hollow. And like you said, I was really pleasantly surprised that they gave us like some simple things to ground ourselves with a sister mm-hmm. avenging her beloved brother, uh, an elf uh, who has, um, you know, a strained friendship with the dwarf. And now he's need That's going to be crucial to rely on uh, a young, Ooh. a young Ooh, uh, might be a spoiler it might be a spoiler. Is it? It, it is that happens in episode two, right? Oh shit! 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 You're I'm right. Breaking these you're up right. I, for future posterity. Eh, fuck it. Like, nah, if, if this if this is if this is going to spoil the episode for you, then then fuck it. But like, yeah, no. Uh, the, you two friends with a strained relationship, uh, a girl coming of age, um, feeling uh, torn between the I, some of the ideals of her people, as far as like keeping to themselves and keeping hitting, and other ideals of her people, being open handed and charitable and helping helping uh, fellow beings out. Um, and that's like, you know, that's kind of why there's a there's a love story. I know some people 
Um, Some people kind of get all feeling a certain way when they have these, uh, you know, no one liked the Hobbit elf romance in The Hobbit. But I thought it feels done pretty well. I I thought like, yeah, the, the extra tension of like these people were once like loyalists of the big bad. Um, yeah, to Margoth, Morgoth. I don't. I don't Morgoth, know the yeah, actual yeah. name. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's super interesting. I think that adds a layer to it that complicates it in a compelling way. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, speaking of the Morgoth of it all, I'm glad we did, we have the Lorehounds with this because that's one thing I was afraid of when I thought we would get screeners for both this and House of the Dragon. That like, man, how am I going to keep these big? Because I'm not a slouch when it comes to Tolkien lore, but like, you know, John and is on a whole other level over there at Dave with the Lorehounds. And yeah. I was like, it was such a relief that like, I don't have to look up all this shit. I don't know, have to know the differences. I can just wait until John tells me about it on Monday. And yeah. I asked him last night, I said, because like I, you know, I, I listened to the Lorehounds, um, excellent primer podcasts. And, you know, I've read the Cimmerillion uh, in high school. I've read the Tolkien appendixes as recently as 10 years ago. And I was thinking like, man, it feels like they're playing a little bit of jazz here in the timelines and especially like some of that first day. And I, and I honestly don't know where we're at in time as far as like, you know, where the Numenorians are and whether they've had the, it feels like there's they're they're playing a little fast and loose but i feel like and i think john agreed that the spirit the feeling that you get when you're reading the cimmerillion when you're reading you know the lord of the rings um that soaring fantasy and possible stakes but also grounded in like you know sam and frodo loving each other uh they're they're yeah. nailing that feeling of the huge sweeping fantasy but also it's going to rely on you know people and people stories that's going to make the the big things happen. Yeah, I love that. The the other thing that really felt like Lord of the Rings to me is those what not quite Hobbit scenes, the Harfoots. Yeah, the like, Harfoots. As soon as they came on the screen and they were dancing around and chomping berries, and I'm like, man, this is this feels like that first. Uh, you know, chunk of Lord of the Rings, right? You've got the evil that has to be vanquished and it is vanquished. And then the, the war continues on. And then you go over to this pleasant village, this little encampment yeah. Uh, yeah. of these Harfoots. And it just, it felt alive in the same way that Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings did um, when I first saw that. So yeah, I, real I was joy. pleasantly surprised by both the tone, the execution uh, of of the effects and the storylines and all of it, I yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, um, again, I I was coming in, I was extremely nervous when this thing kicked off because I'm like, man, what if this is just goofy? You know, because like maybe I'll like some of it, but then like Jim's gonna really and like I don't I don't want to be on eight episodes shitting on this show and like it's gonna oh, be awesome, but like I either <laughs> I was so scared yeah. I was just gonna be like, oh, I don't care about any of this, but yeah, it turns out I do care about it. Yeah, no, and I, I watched him. I watched him twice. The first time, I just didn't take any notes. I just kind of let the show wash over me. And there was, yeah, I mean, there was like one or two things that I kind of didn't care for. There was a Galadriel sword vaulting that was very reminiscent of uh, Legolas shield surfing down staircase. Where it's like, okay, I get it, elves, they're amazing, but also this kind of looks a little hokey. 
but that was like the only like, the, the, that was there that moment and there's like maybe one other where I thought there was some awkward stuff but like I said the original the, the holy trilogy Jackson's had a couple moments where eh, it's yeah. kind of goofy too uh, Tolkien has some moments where shit's just kind of goofy um, mm-hmm. but it's about as good as an adaptation of an appendix of the Lord. Again, all of this is they don't have the rights to the Cimmerillion. They don't have the right. It's like only the things that are touched on in these fairly lengthy appendixes, but it's kind of amazing. Like there's like a sentence or two in the appendix that they're like spinning whole episodes of lore about like that. This thing about the Mm -hmm. elves guarding the men of Morgoth. Like I thought that was, it's essentially based on a line about the elves really holding a grudge coming out of that first age of how they'll never forget the men that sided against them in the war against the great enemy. Um, and now it's like, yeah, Oh, they got watchtowers and they got a whole order of people. It's very kind of game of Thrones warden, you know, watch uh, the watchers on the wall. And it's, it's, yeah, it's like, it's not Canon, but it's a really smart expansion that makes a lot of sense and, and adds a lot of color and and drama to the world. I, yeah, I got to give it up to the Amazon studios. They, I wouldn't, seeing the first two episodes of house of dragon i'm like well i don't know what the rings of power are going to look like but there's no fucking way they're probably going to be as good as this <laughs> yeah and i watched this episode and like i'm having a hard time stating which won the first two episode contest because they're so different too yeah, that's the thing. I mean, House of the Dragon is more my flavor of television show. I, right. I think like the political intrigue that's going on there is more exciting yeah, to me. It's a little bit more realism, a little grounded, you know, again, dragons and all. But but I think this actually does a better job of creating a world and putting you in it. Honestly, I'm, I am I was thoroughly impressed. I, I Like I said, I have never seen something look and feel as much like it's supposed to as this show does. Yeah, I mean, because that's the other thing. Like, I've, I haven't seen Wheel of Time, but I did watch, like, the first 15 minutes of an episode, and I watched a lot of, like, trailers, and, you know, I... That's certainly goofy in a way that this show <laughs> is not. And yeah. I, I think that's a huge... Honestly, I think it's a huge win that the Rings of Power are just having us kind of debating whether they're as good as the the House of the Dragons. Because, again, they're, it's it's really different. It's like, which do you like more? Uh, a, a fucking two-handed broadsword or do you like a rapier? It's like, uh-huh. they're both kind of effective. They can both be beautiful and well-made. They can both take a head off. And that's what I feel like you're comparing here, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh and and it's uh you know grim darkness versus noble brightness you know uh yeah and we'll probably be talking a lot more about that based on these first uh, couple of episodes we by the way i should say we've seen two episodes this is the podcast only for the first episode we're going to try not to spoil too much uh but it might be tricky because i've seen these in the last like 12 hours i've slept for 6 and watch these for the rest of the time. So I know, I know. Uh, I'm about one to one sleep to ring of power ratio <laughs> yes. right now. So, so we'll see if I can keep the spoilers uh, non-spoilery. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll be talking about episode two in another podcast here uh, in just a bit. So I also have I, I was also re- wrestling with just a huge sty in my left eye. I was over a couple villages over grazing on some grass. Mm, uh, you yeah. know, and now I got these swellings, these boils. I'll, I, I, I'm not sure what's going on at that, but uh, we'll see if I can soldier soldier on. Yeah. 
I can't make a joke about milking you. All right, let's <laughs> let's start off this podcast for real and get into the recap, shall we? Yes, please. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. All right, we start off with young elves playing in a field, and one of them, Galadriel makes paper boat and sails it. The other kids destroy it with rocks. Her brother explains to her the difference between boats and rocks, which, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm playing a little fast and loose with the description here. Um, uh-huh. But that, that's essentially this first scene. And we'll get to the voiceover and all that stuff here in a second. Uh, but it definitely is setting up like a, a light versus dark theme, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like literally in Tolkien's word, literally, you know, the good people mm-hmm. are associated with light and the evil people are associated with stealing light and replacing it with darkness. Yes. Um, it's the uh, it's what it was. That was that the interstellar that's got the quote about the no, no, no. That, that's the same guys. Russ Colt's got the quote about, you know, some people see look up this night sky and they they see the pinpricks of light and they see that the darkness is is winning but like it, in the beginning there was nothing but darkness so the lights actually you know is, is, is actually uh making a comeback I, yeah. I felt it felt very much like that and this is just i mean this is the elves garden of eden like I, it's i think it was kind of like immediately moving talking about these people who don't even have a word for death because yeah, yeah. they thought our joys would be endless and Although I, I thought it was interesting to put just just little shitty elf elf children mm-hmm. in the Garden of Eden. You know, like you fuckers are going to eat the apple. You you might you might have oh, you yeah. might have let Morgoth steal the light. Uh, you're trying to <laughs> trying to bully little Gladrail in the Garden of Eden. What the hell's wrong with you kids? Yeah, that sucked. I thought there was more. Uh, I thought they were more in sync those elves, even when they were children. But I guess not. I guess there's a little strife there too. No, apparently uh, some elves are some petty bitches. Uh, Aaron hmm. Deer's fair friend was pretty, uh, you know, uh, non-elf-like in his uh, some of his counsel and, and sayings, too. Um, and then, you know, elves can be a little arch, but I thought they really sold the cleverness and spunk of the young Glad- Galadriel, like really setting her up. We, If, you, if you, you're familiar with the... Um, the more stately Galadriel from the films, like it's, it's, it seems, feels like they're going to tell a clear progression of how she starts off here and she goes through hell to get to, to, to her, her, her end. Um, and we're about to kind of yada, yada past a lot for her, I think, um, in this voiceover, but we'll get there in a second. Uh, But when they go ahead, I'm sorry. I I was just gonna say, I'm, I am shocked at how good the show looked again. I want to reiterate that I've never been more happy to own a 4k TV. I swear 
I swear Amazon is streaming this at a higher bit rate than their other shows. And if they're they, smart, yeah. that's exactly what they're doing. Stream yeah. this at 80 megabits a second. Whatever my yeah. internet will, connection will do, stream it at that. Not only did they did they stream it, but I think that Bezos came in uh, last night and replaced my television with an 8K setup because <laughs> I saw that moment of her brother, Farrandir. I, I didn't. I don't have his name handy. Yeah. But when they're walking over the hill and you see the light of the trees and the kingdom of the elves and it's just I, I saw that shot in a trailer. I knew it was coming, but like it's a really it's it's a fucking moment, man. And it mm-hmm. is just so, so gorgeous. Um, you're going to hear me say that so that many times. Too. Yeah, I know. It's crazy how how much they impress me with the visuals. Uh, his name, yeah. by the way, I don't know it either, but it's much stupider than Farrandir. It's like. I can't even think of a stupid term uh, that would that would be stupid enough. Farfik Dugan. <laughs> sure. Um. So here's a little pet peeve of mine. Yeah. That I'm I'm glad the episode didn't lean as hard as I expected into. Uh, mm. And this has happened in several shows that I've been watching. This happened in a Westworld episode recently. This happened in a Better Call Saul episode recently. Mm. Now it's happening here where a character will be having a conversation with someone and that we can hear it and we are acknowledging it, we're following it, and then suddenly they lean in, they whisper something that we are not privy to. In a lot of these shows, they just don't give you that information. They never give you that information. Like, what did they say? Why? What is the purpose of leaving me out of the loop of this part of the conversation? Uh, and it's really a pet peeve of mine now. I- I'm happy to see that by the end of the episode, they have... Uh, corrected that problem so we do I, actually get what she said what he said to her I, I started to get annoyed but i'm like you know what i'm i'm not going to delve really hot into the mysteries of this show like any more than just like a you know uh above average boned up on the lord of the rings fan um mm-hmm. so but i even then i was gratified to see by the end of the episode they just they just let you know and i thought yeah. it worked well you know like a really nice bookend for this pilot episode that you uh-huh. know it's got its own little arc yeah, um, this is a lot about Glad- Gladriel in this episode, um, and that mm-hmm. really worked for me, too. Oh, let me ask you this. Um, find out later that I-, I think is what they're implying and saying here, that Galadriel, as a child, was living in the Undying Lands. Mm-hmm. Um, is that where we are in this first scene? Yeah, this is this is okay. uh, the uh, Valinor, Valinor, Valinir. Yeah, I, I Valinor. I don't know how to say it. They say it a few times in this episode. Yeah, the, the Undying Lands, where uh, elves go when they have expired on Middle Earth, or when their cares become too heavy, where you essentially uh, can live in perfect health and bliss until the breaking of the world, and who knows okay. what happens then. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Um, let's get to the voiceover and the montage here. Uh, the voiceover explains that the elves thought their light would never dim, but then Margoth, Mor- Morgoth, I really need to know if it's an O or an A. It's killing me. It's Morgoth. Uh, Morgoth, okay. Destroyed the Tree of Light and started a war with the elves, which raged for hundreds of years in Middle-earth. Uh, Galadriel's brother was killed in his quest to find and eliminate Morgoth's most devoted acolyte Sauron and Galadriel took up his quest. Yeah. I mean, they cover like 
a couple thousand years of history, I think, in this. It's and a long it time. Feels like it too. Oh, his brother mm-hmm. brother's name's Lindor, like the truffle people. Lindor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's he's full of uh, strawberry truffle filling, it turns out. Um Lindor from Linden. Lindor from Linden. Uh, there's got see that that's this thing is like if you knew if you knew Sindarin and Quinya well these like are all based on you know root words and whatnot so it's like it, they, uh, yeah of course yeah so um but I I thought this this whole montage of the elves at war you know where you see the tree getting destroyed and the elves are like fuck this we're not taking this lying down we're drawing our swords and then the crash to this like these griffins fighting dark beasts you've got these orcs and the elves and you know there's a shot of this you know beautiful city by the sea it's got all these spires and it's being downthrown and flames and ruin and there's elves corpses floating in the water with spears it's this I mentioned on the instant take that the Lorehounds did last night that it felt like the shit that really gets my blood going in Warhammer, you know, like this kind of like crazy gothic yeah. shit of primeval forces moving in copper, almost Lovecraftian. And the difference being that in Warhammer, everything is grim, dark and shit always breaks bad. And the Lord of the Rings universe, it's the noble bright where it's like things can get super grim, but eventually the bad, the good guys will always win. Uh, mm-hmm. Perhaps spoilers uh, that, <laughs> that, that the, the mean- world doesn't end in this movie and Galadriel and Elrond uh, make it through. I don't know. Maybe really? they'll kill him. Shit, that would be that'd be wild. That would be that yeah. that'd really get the the lore purist <laughs> pissed off. But yeah, no, I, I think it's um, that the things are going to work out even even if you get you get pressed to the precipice. Um, and I just yeah, I I I love this shit. I love it when things look like a heavy metal art cover, you know, album cover. Sure. I, I no, love that particular cool. flavor of fantasy. Yeah. Uh, I I thought it was cool. I was I was happy to see that the orcs looked like orcs. I can immediately identify. Oh, that's an orc. I I recognize that. Uh, mm-hmm. So they they haven't like totally gone in a different direction from uh, the Lord of the Rings visually. I'd say if anything, they just took that ball and ran with it and just enhanced yeah. everything. Made it look. I'm surprised better. Sauron looks very like. Yeah, they they are definitely looking to the movies for their guy style guide. Like yeah. Sauron looks like Sauron. The elf cities look like elf cities recognizably. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very uh, 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 the river de- Rivendell and and Lothlorien, um, which is smart. I don't think you that that. Boy, there is a, a lot of money spent, a lot of talent in creating that look, and I don't know why you would you abandon it. They didn't, and in yeah. fact, they just essentially take that as a base and just expand. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really wise choices. All right, um, next up, Galadriel takes her armies treacherously far north in the search for Sauron. Uh, in a cave on a mountain, they find the mark of Sauron. She wants to continue north, however, not having seen an orc for years and thinking the mark was very old. Her army decides to lay down their swords and return home, and she apparently follows them, at least yeah. temporarily. Yeah, I thought that was ambiguous, but you know they they resolved it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I like her that she's like maybe uniquely lost more. Maybe she's lost, you know, since she's one of the oldest elves. Maybe she just has lost more. And I got the idea that these elves following her are necessarily younger 
uh, lesser elves than her. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's the whole thing is like, I can't in stop and enjoy any possible fruits of peace until I know this can never happen again. Yeah. Which, it, which is, is a fool's errand. I mean, she yes, is on I was about an, to say an, um, an improvable, un, um, unprovable quest. Yeah. Let's yeah. say that. I mean, that, that's, that's no. the thing. You cannot prove that your enemy doesn't exist. The best you could prove is that they do exist. Um, but the search would just go on forever if Sauron just disappeared, right? Like, what is, yeah, what they, is the evidence that would convince her, oh, Sauron's gone forever? Right, right. And I think it's it's more vengeance and it's more like trauma-driven hypervigilance on top of vengeance. And yeah. it's it's keeping her from living her life, you know? Uh-huh. She might as well be dead because she won't be happy until... Because that's the, that's the only where... It, it feels like that's the only where this ends at her dying. If she gives her life in this quest, then it will finally be enough. And she yeah, says as much. And I like what Elrond says later to that. You know, like the, the only place you're going to be able to heal what's broken in you is Valnor. Yeah. See, Val- only Valinor. in the Undying Lands will you get, you yeah. know, uh, get the peace you're looking for, which she hilariously rejects. Uh, <laughs> I really like this elf ninja get up that they're wearing, too. It's very reminiscent of like Zelda Twilight Princess. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Zelda, isn't it Zelda that goes around dressed in some kind of so. ninja getup? Like I thought, man, the, the silver mail with the stars emblazoned on it was really cool and warrior, uh, warrior esque. Um, I like the Mar- Mark of Sauron. I don't, I'm not sure if that's a, a, a piece of lore because, um, like you know, Sauron's usually got the. Although this Mark of Sauron might be like a stylized cat's eye. I wasn't quite sure, mm. but like it's it's a big old MacGuffin. You know, it's a big old thing that's going to drive a lot of these quests to try to find where Sauron's holding up. And yeah, it's a marker for the orcs to follow so they can follow them, too. Yeah. Uh, a, a key piece of information here I think you need to take note of is this place is so evil that torches give off no warmth. I think that's mm. important going forward and we'll talk about why later. This is true. It also ties back to the ring where Gandalf threw it in the fire, but then dropped it in Frodo's hand and said, don't worry. It's cool. It's quite cool to the touch. Yeah, there Uh, is. uh, Okay. They're, they're definitely shading, um, shading some stuff in there. And I, I, uh, again, I I guess we got to stop and do this every fucking scene, but this is again, gorgeous. Like them (laughs) walking on this dark lightning lit, snow driven plane and then the lightning barely illuminates these grotesque thrones and towers and you realize it's just and and yeah i just i just love a fantasy series where a person can say with a straight face the light gives off no warmth because the amount of evil like it's just like it's cool man it's cool i wish we lived in a world where you could tell when things are really evil just based on how cold you felt it'd be a lot easier it'd be sure. a lot easier to navigate the world you know right uh yeah and i i i don't know this is where like i brush up i bristle against sort of some of the fantasy level stuff that's happening here um where you know unseen forces and indescribable powers and all that sort of stuff like that doesn't sit well with me but as long as they're going to be consistent with that stuff and, and i'm hopeful based on these first two episodes that they will uh because i think they're they're using very specific details to tell you things. And as long as those details yeah. remain consistent, I think I'll be okay. 
Did you catch that Bear McCreary did the score for this show? I did. I was super impressed because like I've liked yeah. his music. You know, I think he's done better. You know, he kind of rises to the show's occasion. I was skeptical that he could get to this gear. Mm-hmm. But man, when they revealed those, like I said, grotesque thrones and fortifications and you you hit this like creepy, evil, choral music, I'm like, damn, Bear's knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. He's been with Ball Move from the beginning. Uh, Pretty much. As far as our coverage goes. So it's good to see him growing. Yeah. 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 I, I did not know. I mean, this is a, a palette that I've never seen him paint with before. Mm-hmm. All right, then we get a late title card, and there's no theme in this episode. There will be one next episode. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like a pattern with shows just like showing you a logo now in the first episode and getting right to it. I'm fine with that. We we didn't talk about the big fight, the snow troll fight. Oh, yeah. It was pretty cool. I I don't know how I feel about like Galadriel. Like these elves felt like they were just completely outclassed by the snow troll, and then Galadriel just shows mm-hmm. up and single handedly kills them by vaulting off this one douchebag's blade. Well, that's yeah. that's the the uh, you know Legolas shield surfing moment of the episode. I, I feel like I was expecting it to because like, like elves are like these fucking badasses. I mean, you've seen Legolas, like you know, mm-hmm. you, you kind of can walk away with thinking he's worth ten of the other fellows. Uh, and I was like, oh, man, it's going to be cool because this is just going to be a smoother, more uh, more efficient version of the pell-mell fight that we saw in the Fellowship with the the Fellowship and the Cave Troll. But it's not. It's like the, all the elves are getting their asses kicked and then Galadriel comes and, and handles the guy. I was a little underwhelmed by it, but literally hmm. this is the only thing in the episode, I think, that even mildly perturbed me. Interesting. I was, I was not un- underwhelmed by it. I thought it was cool. Uh, I didn't let me say this controversial opinion i think okay if the surfing if the shield surfing looked better i would not have cared one bit that he surfed a shield i think that's a cool idea hmm i know a lot of people don't like it for two reasons a it looked like garbage like his fucking head is shifting around like the 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 cg (laughs) just wasn't there for that at the time yeah uh but also yeah he a lot of people don't like that he does it at all and i'm like I don't know. Little. I saw him like surf down the trunk of an elephant, a giant elephant. Like, why is that any different than surfing his shield down the stairs? I I can't. I I couldn't explain it, but it is. Is like, it just one was a little is the- one is a little X Games Tony Hawk, and the other <laughs> was just like uh, Legolas falling with style. You know. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fine. As soon as he pulls off that 1080, you'll be singing a different tune. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he gets his max air combo. <laughs> uh, all right, some travelers walk through the Harfoot territory, and then we meet the Harfoots, who oh, seem to also be... it, yeah. the, the, the fucking map transition sequences, brilliant oh, yeah. idea, because like it really gives you like this feeling of like where all the collision courses are coming, and they're gorgeous to look mm. at too. They're the classic you know, Tolkien maps just like done yeah, all yeah. CGI and three dimensional and zoomy. And oh, yeah, you know I was, I did love, uh, yeah, I, I like those. It's very like Indiana Jones. Very, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh, honestly, it's very game of Thrones intro sequence. Like, it's it interesting. Like they were aping that a bit, but yeah, especially on the week where game of Thrones or house of dragons, like, you know what? Fuck those title sequences. We're going with a 
family tree, a fucked up yeah. family tree. And like, I feel like a little bit the rings of power is eating their own, eating their lunch here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also noticed that when they have maps out in the actual show, they look just like mm-hmm. the drawings you would see in the Tolkien books, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's super it's cool. Very cool. Which I guess Christopher Tolkien did all those. Something I learned on the Lorehounds really? podcast. Those illustrations yeah. was the maps in particular. He, that style he, of he would have been extremely young when he did those, right? Uh, no, I think I think uh, he was a man full grown when okay. these when when this stuff was published. Gotcha. I don't know. How God, I hope I now, I hope so. I didn't fuck that up. I but I thought I heard that he that Christopher did those those map illustrations. Well, write to the Lorehounds and they can clear that up for you. It's true. It's true. Okay, now let's go over to the Harfoots. Um, they seem to be at least Hobbit related. I these aren't full blown hobbits, right? Like My proto hobbits. So yeah, there is a couple sin- like speculation of where the hobbits came from because they kind of pop up in the third age and like, what the fuck are these halflings? What you're not a dwarf, you're not a man, you're what are you? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's from the perspective of the elves and men that these I think uh, appendixes. And I love this, like yeah, Harfoot, Hairy Feet. You can kind of like get it. They're like mm-hmm. these primitive rustic hobbits that their entire life is essentially a speakeasy, and that. <laughs> okay. That explains why they kind of like, cause like, who knows? They might, they might've been around since the first stage. They're just really good at hiding from yeah. the big folk. I thought that was like a really great way to smooth over that potential hitch from the lore of like, you know, we know when hobbits came and we know where they're from. So yeah, you're supposed to understand that these are since, yeah, these are a little bit more rustic and a little bit more primitive uh, and a lot more undiscovered, but they're essentially hobbits. They got hairy feet, uh, they love gotcha. their food. They love their drink. They love their festivals. Uh, they're not quite living underground yet, but they're living like a nomadic uh, traveler type lifestyle. Yeah, it's getting big. Uh, Station Eleven, what traveling? Yes. Uh, what is theater? That what was it? The the traveling theater company. I couldn't. Something I couldn't like remember that, yeah. either. Big big that vibes. I got big monster hunter vibes from these hunters with the giant oh, yeah. moose moose horns on their back. That was really cool too. That was, uh, especially when you put it in perspective of this is where the Harfoots live. I I don't know how dangerous the beast that they took those off of are, but they're certainly massive. Yeah, like way more massive than a humans or th- than a man. So like. I, I would be scared if I were a Harfoot. And then also that the Harfoots are like these kind of legendary, scary, haunted people from the big, you know, because they're <laughs> like just, just bullshitting the guy. Right. He's is he? Because I, I think so. Because like I think one of the things that the, they come with the Lord of the Rings and appendixes is like Tolkien's like, you know, well, what? what OK, we had this world with elves, dwarves and hobbits. Where the hell are they all now? Mm-hmm. And he kind of explains like the elves that kind of fade away. And you do hear about the elves. That's why we have the fairy tales that we hear about. Like you you walk down a forest and out a glimpse of your eye, you see movement. And you turn. And it's just a circle of toadstools and they're gone. It's because they've kind of melted into the the margins and you know like you get the idea of watching the ancestors of the hobbits here that like these people could hang out in the forest of england now to this day how the hell would you know because they're just gonna they're gonna just roll everything up like uh like they're speakeasy and and elliot ness Mm -hmm. is raiding them when you when you get close (laughs) they can smell they can smell those big folk coming a mile away i thought that was just really cool really cool extension of the lore i i also love how they like track the movements of of men 
like like we track animals migration patterns they're yeah. tracking the 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 men's uh migration patterns i found that there's levels to it and I just a scene of them unrolling their entire life and yeah. down to the babies where the baby comes out of blanket and instantly resumes is crying. I just thought that was really funny in a, a droll sort of way. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, kind of important stuff here. Like the, the, these proto hobbits, Harfoot seem like they're having a good time, but they were very concerned about these travelers arriving out of season. Uh, um, and then we meet Eleanor who goes by Nori uh, who's sneaking her friends into the old gardens to pick some berries and they spot a track, a scary looking track and something spooks them in the background and they make a hasty retreat. Yeah. It's this very, what so it, much fun. It is. It's very Mary and Pippin running around in farmer maggots crops. Yes. Uh, and then the, the, a lot of you, obviously just like in the movies, a lot of the comic relief is going to come from these folk. And I really love Nori and Poppy from the beginning. I thought their mm-hmm. dynamic was just, perfect All right, let's move over to I just also just like them like I don't are there blackberries this fucking big were these prop blackberries because like these are like fist size berries I was oh, drooling small, watching them I know they're small but like in real life these are these are normal sized people so did they make prop berries oh, or did oh, they gotcha. is there a variety of blackberry that's just this fucking big because man it's like you have in the bible story book you always saw like when the spies the israelite spies went out and stole stuff from the land of canaan and they brought it back and it's like you had the promised land grapes and they're like the size of fucking softballs <laughs> and like a watermelon the size of a cow and they're like look at all this look at how good this stuff like yeah these are promised land berries man yeah state fair berries State Fair, award-winning berries, every one of them. Blue Ribbon Berries. Uh, You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland, chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, let's move over to Elrond getting notified the Galadriel has returned to Linden. Uh, is there a name for this city, or is am I going to just use Linden as a catch-all? I think it's Linden. Yeah, the it's city the capital is Linden. City. Okay, it's it's hard for me to tell sometimes what's a region and what is a city. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. is... some of it is a city, some of it is a region, some of it is yeah, yeah. 
Okay. I thought Maybe it was say it's the capital of the high elves. So speaking of elves being pricks, I love how these ladies prance out to tell Elrond, Teehee, you have been uninvited from the official thing because you're not an elf lord loser. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, okay. Anything else? Oh yeah, your friends here, loser. Like it's this <laughs> is it felt unnecessarily cruel. Like this secret yeah. meeting, you're not attend you're, yeah, you've been un you, you've been unsummoned. Don't worry about it. It's elf lords only. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Why would he summon in the first place? He probably wasn't, right? So they're right. literally just here to tell him that he's not going to mm-hmm. be summoned. Yeah, yeah. Big little sister energy that these elves are given. Uh, yeah, so he goes to see Galadriel, and she's concerned with getting an audience with the king so she can continue her quest. But he tells her, look, you're lucky that the king has not punished you uh, for for your quest. And he promises to get her an audience with the king after the ceremony. Yeah, and he they, they also kind of they they prep us for the Undying Lands because they say that uh, it's uh, you know once you cross over it's like a, you hear a song that you somehow have always known and you feel a light more intoxicating than any sensation on earth. And this is you know Elrond who's never been. I hope like that's the story they're telling and mm-hmm. Galadriel who is of old, you know, as you know, she grew up bathed in that light. Uh, it's an interesting dynamic, you know, uh, this is another familiar face, obviously to me, Elrond. Yeah. Uh, although his face is, his face is familiar, but maybe not for the reasons you would think he looks more like Neil Patrick Harris than he does. Agent Smith. Although yeah. now that Neil Patrick Harris has been in the matrix, I'm not sure there's much of a distinction. <laughs> it's true. They've they've crossed over into each other's territories many times. Yeah. Getting strong. But this is like Doogie, big, big Doogie Hauser elf lord. Yes. Uh, feelings from this guy. Uh, and here is like, you know, this is the scene where we find out that Galadriel actually came back, returned with her armies when they put their swords down. I was kind of surprised by that. I'm yeah, surprised did she didn't too. just soldier on by herself. Yeah. And I really like how they use the dagger as like a stand in for uh, her vow, you know, like her uh, releasing and taking and unsheathing. It's like her like, you know, constantly thinking about that vow that she took, the vow of vengeance she swore. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know there was even a king of the elves. This is how this is how much I don't know about (laughs) Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Gil Gilgalad. Gilgalad is his name? Okay. Apparently you know, our producer says that you're right, that there is, Linden is, yes, the capital, but it's divided into two pieces, north and south, and there's a mountain range that divides them. Uh, oh. So you got okay. North Linden, South Linden. Are there elf-based gangs? Yeah. If you're if you're a North, North Lindener and you're caught in South Linden, it's your ass. And there's some serious dance-offs happening on the edge, the border. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, like, again, I'm going to say this, like, every this is so fucking beautiful. The establishing right. shot of this city and just how glowing everything looks. I, I, mm-hmm. I thought I would I thought that it would get old or it would get like, oh, this is too much. But like, nah, man, my eyes were just drinking it like mm-hmm. it was a cool beverage and they were parched. Yeah, I, you know, for the first time ever, I have a I have finally learned to appreciate the uh, shit, whatever, whatever the smoothing they do on modern televisions is. Mm-hmm. Because it, it switched over to HDR and my my setup is not really like configured properly for HDR. Yeah, so I don't watch a lot of HDR stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but then I saw 
that it was doing the smoothing. I turned it off and I'm like, man, this just doesn't feel right. It's not, it's not scanning properly. Um, and so I turned the smooth stuff back on and by the end of the, the, this episode, I got used to it and huh. I would say it looks maybe even better. It's, it's a little wow. too canny. Cause yeah, places, that's, I, I turn all that shit off because I, I, it gives that, they call it the soap opera effect. Yeah. You know, where it's like, it's, it's tell it's, it's decinemifies it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they did something to like counteract that a bit, but I I stopped noticing it after a while. Maybe I just broke my brain in that particular way, uh, and I'll never. Why did you turn it on? Because you were noticing what was the HDR was not engaging correctly. Yeah. So when you're watching, well, when you're watching certain types of content, um, Mm -hmm. and you have it, uh, that smoothing stuff turned off, and it's running at like 24 frames or whatever it is. when when they're doing a pan across something, oh be yeah, 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 stuttery, yeah, or blur, yeah, or sometimes blurry, yeah, that too. Um, and so when you turn you know that stuff back on, it smooths all that out and it looks great. But uh, that's why I did it. All right. Anyway, Nori returns to town and gives her dad a berry, and he tells her about the travelers that they saw. And then her mother scolds her for going to the old farm and tells her not to be so curious about the outside world because they survive by being together. And then Nori also leaves a berry for her mom. Very Gandalf. You're far too inquisitive and curious for a Harfoot. Oh, uh, yeah. Ma- yeah, she's like, she's- I want to know where the rivers flow. I want to know where the birds get their song. And her mom's like, look, fool, we are little people and we stick together and that's how we stay safe. We stick to our paths. We stick to our... Yeah. Our, our corner and it's and then and, and, and what more do you want you got huge berries you're gonna get you're gonna get your ass kicked in if you go off for adventure um and how and they're obviously like obviously they're developing themes here right of like stronger together and and community all that stuff yeah and how they're like carefree that this is um i think mm-hmm. they're trying to draw a parallel between these people and their innocence and the elves in the uh, before the first age that like mm-hmm. yeah elves have their forest and men have their field and dwarves have their minds but we just go like a leaf in the wind and we follow a gentle current of life like a river and it's very you know in tune uh yeah. and and free free that's the big thing mm-hmm uh, all right, Galadriel and her soldiers are honored with the ceremony and a trip to the Undying Lands of Valinor. Uh, everyone is exceptionally happy, except for Galadriel. That night, Elrond tries to congratulate her, but she frets over the premature end of her brother's quest and says she intends to refuse the king's honor and continue that quest. And Elrond convinces her to go by promising her that he will take up the quest if any of her fears prove true. I thought it was interesting because, like, you know, you, the elves, like, hey, you're going to get to go to essentially elf heaven, and everyone's clapping. Elrond looks thrilled, and I'm like, elves are so weird because, like, I understand that you might be happy. Like, if you're a devout Christian, you might be happy that your friend is going to go to heaven, but also you're losing your friend. You uh, know, like, they might be going into eternal bliss, but your ass is stuck here on Middle Earth, buddy, and you're never going to see him again. I felt it's so weird that there's not like even a twinge of like loss or sorrow, but like also they're playing Elrond like he's a very nakedly politically ambitious person. And you kind of get yeah. the idea that this speech is not so much Elrond speaking from his heart, but trusting the king that he knows better and he is doing right by his friend in the realm, even though Elrond maybe not sees the the, the ends here. 
Yeah, I think it's super interesting when paired with some other scenes. Um, and there's questions I have because I, I have a very... I have a very particular view of the elves based on the Lord of the Rings stuff that I've seen, which is sure. just the movies, uh, that they are pretty collaborative, pretty in tune with each other, and they're not looking to backstab anybody. This is not going to be House of Cards. But Yeah, I don't think did- Gil-Galad is evil. I think he's doing what he thinks is right, but they're definitely manipulating Galadriel. Yeah, and I see scenes here where I'm like, you know is is okay i watch elrond mouthing the words to the speech that the king's giving during this ceremony and he was writing either, did you get that he, he was writing that in the first scene we see him yeah I, so yeah, okay, I, okay. I wasn't sure if he was he had written that speech or if he had been through so many of these ceremonies and so enjoyed these ceremonies that he uh-huh. had memorized the speech that the king always gives um but yeah it makes sense if he's writing the speech and then there's like this this hint of of a thing where they might just be trying to get Galadriel out of the way so mm. they could declare this war over and and move on from it because she just won't let it drop and their way of doing that is giving her this big ceremony sending her to the undying lands right just just to get her off the map because she's annoying them well there is that name like there's definitely that's Tolkien is one of those mythologies where like names have power and you you know how like the the elves would freak out when someone speaks to black speech in their presence like mm. the idea yeah. that if you obsessively try to find Sauron you might actually strengthen Sauron in this world you might give him that tenuous uh, yeah. tether to hold him to this this plane of existence so I think I, I mean obviously they're doing the wrong thing but I think that they uh-huh. think it's the right thing. Like I said, this isn't okay. evil. It's it's they're like, you know, Gladriel's wounded and she's hurting and she's holding our people back and she might be empowering Sauron for mm-hmm. all we know. So we need to get her her. We need to help her help us. And this is how to do it. I also really love how too deep you'd say she's digging a little too deep. I, I also really <laughs> like the the arc of Galadriel because we see here at the beginning of her tests, you know, and she says, well, if I give up this and she holds up her dagger, what am I to be? And it's very remi- reminds me of the temptation, her last test where Frodo tries to give her the ring of power and she's, I could become a dark queen and she does her whole thing. But then at the end, she passes her test and says, no, nope, I'm going to diminish and remain Galadriel. Mm-hmm. Like, the question of like, what am I to be if I don't have this quest versus I know what I am. I know my worth and I'm going to trust, you know, Elrond here essentially is going to ask her. It's like, look, you you can leave because if something bad happens, I will take up your thing and I'm a capable elf, right? Mm -hmm. Like Galadriel clearly can't do that in this epoch of her life. She can't trust things to Elrond. Galadriel in fellowship is going to be able to trust a hobbit of all things to 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 save the world and i think that shows like it's it's really interesting to see where she's at thousands of years from now versus where she's at now and i i really like that through line yeah all right um i suppose let's go over to the southlands the lands of men as they're described uh an elf around a rondeer a rondeer uh, checks in on the men in a bar and hears a story about poisoned grass. One of the men gets angry about the elves keeping watch over them. And afterward, Aaron Deer gets a gift from a woman, but their conversation is interrupted by the bartender. I'm, you know, I'm not actually 100% sure that they ever say her name in this entire episode. It's Bronwyn. 
Bronwyn, yep. Uh, for those playing along at home. Uh, Arondir joins back up with another elf who's noticed him taking a liking to Bronwyn and reminds him that that's a bad idea. And then they find out that their outpost is being disbanded and they're going home because the war is officially over. And then there's a little conversation with the watch warden, uh, a little bigoted conversation where he warns Arondir that these people who once stood with Mar- Morgoth have not changed. Yeah, that's the thing. The That is a little uncomfortable current that runs through Tolkien's work is that like, you know, people should just keep to themselves, their own class, their own types of people. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, now oh, again, God. the greatest love story yeah. ever told. The two greatest love stories ever told is is the dalliances between an elf and uh, a man. But as uh, you know, whoever this guy points out, uh, those often end in tragedy. You know, uh, Arwen and and uh, Aowen, or no, Aragorn and Arwen was one of the great love stories of the third and fourth age. But it ended in, you know, like well, Elrond told her about like, yeah, there'll be children and he'll have he'll be glory undimmed before blah, blah, blah. But after a couple hundred years, even his blood will run out and he's going to die. And then you're going to mm-hmm. be left bereft and alone and with nothing. And the appendixes make it clear that's exactly what happens. Like Arwen has like all these joys, all these centuries with Aragorn and her children. And then Aragorn gets to the end of his life and lays it down. And she's just bereft and goes to Lothlorien where it's been abandoned. And she just dies under those trees, completely bereft and alone. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Hmm. ah, man, can can an elf and a man love each other and not get fucking persecuted in this world? Uh, but on the other hand, it's also these are different beings. It isn't quite like uh, like elves and men are not different. Like races of men are different. You know, they're like literally one's immortal, one's not. They're mm-hmm. made of different stuff. They have different afterlife fates. Like it's, I guess, a little bit more understandable. But I always felt is a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll reinforce that a little bit in the next episode too, which I really liked. But. Sure. Yeah, I I agree. Like, and the idea that like these people after so much time has passed because these are men, right? They have like standard lifespans mm-hmm. that we would think of as as human lifespans. Yeah, and they've been at this outpost for seventy nine years. So yeah. anybody who was alive, I, and, and they've been they've been tracking and fighting Sauron for hundreds of years. So and then they said this watch, who, this watchtower has been there for a thousand years overlooking these poor people. It, there you go. Anybody who was who would have been alive to support Margoth, Morgoth has long since been dead. And if anything remains it, it, it's a question, I, I think. Oh. Um if anything remains and it's it's more I think more like of the elves trauma. And the fact that like a thousand yeah, yeah. years is a good long time, but it's more like 10 years. And imagine like, you know, what Americans attitudes towards like Germans and Japan, Japanese were 10 years after World War Two, what Americans attitudes towards Vietnamese were like what Americans attitudes towards Arabs are, you know, ten, like, yeah, you can see that like for from the men's perspective, this is fucking ridiculous. But from the L's perspective, right. it's like you fucking killed our trees. You fucking took all our shit from us. We didn't even know what death was until you f- threw in at this other fucker like they 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 are they are still worked up about it. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is the the problem with a, a species or race or whatever they call them in the Tolkien universe that lives for so long. Yeah, compared to everybody else, is they will hold those grudges, I guess, mm-hmm. against people yeah. who couldn't have possibly, you know, partaken or participated in those events. Um, 
so they they set off to Horton. Is it Horton? It can't be Horton. <laughs> I hear right. they heard a who. I don't know. Maybe, it is. Maybe, maybe I wrote this down. Here. I wrote this down. Um, well, no, yeah, yeah. We haven't. We haven't. We haven't gotten to Horton. Horton yet. Okay. Um, it, it's it's kind of surprising to me how quickly they spun off this love story between uh, Aaron Deer and Bronwyn. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't feel like it was. It, it wasn't done poorly. I think it was done as well as you can do it in this amount of time. Yeah. But we just kind of jump right into the middle of it. And it felt like it, it felt like too far along to be at the stage it was at. But I, I don't know, maybe, you know, it's the, the racism or the bigotry and the. Yeah, I think I, I feel you nature of it all. It just, something didn't feel right about where we started and how how it progressed over the course of this episode. I feel you. I, I think you're supposed to get the idea that like this guy has been fighting a war for a thousand years. He's been serving in this tower for 80 and he's kind of numb. And you're supposed to get the idea that like these stolen moments at the well, there's been hundreds in the last five years or so. And this is the first time he's felt anything but like hatred and apathy. And now that he is being recalled and he might never see her, he's finding the courage to like, put into words and they even says like i've i've said this with every action and every glance for years but i've never been able to articulate it probably because like you said the racism and the expectations and the fact that like you know he's probably uncomfortable with the fact that he's falling in love with one of these quote-unquote evil people Um, yeah but then there's a lot of like it if if you've been feeling this strongly for this long and having these encounters with this person yeah. Something about the way they interact didn't feel right. Something about the way that other people had noticed or not noticed didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. There was there was a just a timeline here that didn't make a ton of sense in my head, but mm. maybe I'm just misinterpreting some things. Oh, the only other thing I could maybe say to help you is that I also get the feeling that this has been very much undercovers and under wraps and it's it's this uh, the inciting event of him being a little bit more open and and doing things like leaving the tower alone and coming to see her alone has never happened before and the men okay. are starting to notice his carelessness because he knows he's going to have to leave and he kind of like wants to do something you know gotcha yeah let's talk about the scene uh Bronwyn's son tells her about the rats under the floor which will be important at some point uh Aaron Deer shows up at her home because he couldn't bear to leave her. And then mm-hmm. another man shows up with a sick cow and Aaron Deer milks it, but something much worse than milk comes out. And he mentions that the cow was grazing east by Horton. So Aaron Deer and Bronwyn set off while her son goes to the barn and digs up a sword fragment from under the floorboards. And it has the same mark that was on Galadriel's brother and on, I don't know if it was an altar, whatever that thing was up in the cave. And it takes him to the spirit world for a second or two, just like, you know, Frodo mm. touching the ring. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. It seems like maybe starting of a possession going on here. Uh, keep her eye on that. But this, I mean, this yeah. is definitely the hilt of Sar- Sauron's ho- sword, right? I mean, got to be pretty obviously. Visually I thought he was a mace guy, but yeah, this is some kind of what you'd call a Morgul blade. Uh, this is a blade of pure evil. It looks like. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I like the concept of like, yeah, this like the, there's a, a sickness and a blight on the land. And if a living thing eats of it, it corrupts them, too. Um, and like, yeah, just all this, this whole episode has been screaming. There is some bad shit happening down in these Southlands. Yeah, I do wonder what caused it. Like, what what is what is the inciting event here? Right. Because I don't think it's just that the sword is buried here because there's a shot at the end of this episode where one of the leaves uh, in Linden turns mm-hmm. all diseased. It's you blighted, know? yeah. So, I think it's I think it's like it's a combination. It's the it feels very much like Fellowship of the Rings where it's like the Black Riders and Gandalf show up simultaneously kind of looking for the right thing. The same thing. I think you're supposed to understand that these goblins, these orcs have been tunneling under because they know they're they're looking for this thing and they're trying to find it. And this boy, coincidentally, um has dis- had, had glint he said stepped in on an unlucky bull plank and he saw this thing and he's bringing his his uh slurth uh, hurling teenage friend to kind of come look at it and there's also mm-hmm. tons of MacGuffins here like we why is this kid's father ran off what happened to this family what's going on you guys yeah. I wonder like how much of that's just background flavor or how much of that they're actually going to answer because like I kind of want to know who this kid is or who his kid's father is you know why did he have a blade of Sauron are the elves right in some way that some of these people are still bad dudes and carrying a torch. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess I was getting more at like, you know, why, why is there a blight on the land now? You know, what's, what's happening now that is causing this. And I think maybe by the end of the episode, we get a little bit to that point, but we'll see. Um, yeah, all right, let's go over to Gladriel sailing towards Valinor. She's going to be doing this for a while, by the way. This is... It, so, it's it's not incredibly weak, but I feel like the weakest parts of yes. these first two episodes are the Gladriel parts from here on, I think. Yeah. Maybe not from here on, maybe from, like, a scene later. Um, but, man, they really sideline her in a super annoying way. That- and it's goofy. I like this. Uh, this is where, like, to me, the, the noble bright gets... You know, because like on the Warhammer side, you, you like the grim darkness, but like sometimes it goes too far and they call it grim derp where it's like, this is okay. just stupid. Uh-huh. And like, I think that I don't know what the noble bright equivalent, the noble bork, where it's like, OK, <laughs> yeah. you're standing your goddamn silver armor with your fucking mm-hmm. giant swords and cruciform poses like you're about to sing. Do uh, I have to uh, stand this way the whole time? Yeah, like Hanlon's Messiah and you're going to mm-hmm. heaven and like it's all this ritual, but it's like. I thought it kind of was good. I thought it was pretty goofy. Yeah, I, I definitely did too. Um, yeah, so she's sailing towards Valinor. Elrond's worrying about uh, or worrying aloud to the king if he's made the right decision, especially because they've foreseen things that seem to indicate she might have been right, but also that she might have she might be causing some problems too with her quest. Um, and the king invites Elrond to participate in a new grand project of. Celebrimbor, the greatest elven smith. Mm-hmm. With the funniest elven name. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bad name. Uh, there, there are a <laughs> lot of bad names in this show. This is one of the worst. Celebrimbor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are exactly two... Uh, I realized in this scene, there are exactly two hairstyles in elf culture. There's the long <laughs> yeah. hair, and then there's the Steve from Stranger uh-huh. Things. 
yeah yeah you do it's definitely definitely not a lot of variety there and the women's the same yeah. it's just how they braid you know they got they got fancier braids than yeah. the men yeah although the gray elves have sick fades i gotta say aaron deers looking pretty goddamn sharp uh the elf the yeah. elf barber's done him upright so yeah, there's the totally. other if you are uh, an elf of the gray persuasion, you can get a sick ass fade. Uh, uh-huh. Other well, yeah, you got the Steve and the the meatloaf. I mean, that's just the utility cut you get out on the outpost, right? Yeah, I know a yeah, lot of barbers yeah. out there. That's the warden. That's the warden cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go back to the Harfoots. Uh, Sadik, the wisest of the Harfoots, tells Nori that he sees something strange about the skies. Uh, in in what is also a very funny scene, a fun, enjoyable scene. Yeah, he's very another this is squirrel he, and all this. The Sadik, I, I I like this guy. He he's, he uh-huh. he reminds me a lot of uh, Gandalf and just the kind of his approach. And he's got these big tomes and he's watching mm-hmm. the skies and the stars. Yeah. What would you call him in relation to this group? Is he just like the elder, the the village? It seems like it, yeah. I don't know, like, what the family relationships are. Like, is this Dory's mm. grandfather? Like, are they all, like, is this a loose family group or what? Um, but, yeah, it does seem like, if not their leader, he's their, like, spirit. He's the, uh, you know who he is? He is, uh, this is going to help you any, but um, this is th- this is the old Deuteronomy of the traveling cats group. And if you've seen Cats the musical, you instantly know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, you're more bewildered than ever. But, you know, that's your own fault. You've had 30 years to watch Cats. Uh, get get to it. I'll go another 30 without watching it. It's fine. <laughs> I'll take it to my grave. I've had Jim yeah. just swore an oath. He's got a dagger in his hand. <laughs> uh, he, just, he just made a blood oath Come to never watch with Cats. Come copy of that DVD of Cats. <laughs> Come at me. I dare you. Yeah, but baby, I got the I got the 1994 cast recording. I got the the, the fucked up one with naked Idris Elba cats. I got I got all the cats. I got more cats than you can handle. It's my blood oath to make sure you see it. Who's going to win? Dinch licking her own butthole. Yeah, the blue the the blue ray discs of power is the new series that Bald Move just launched. Who will win the struggle? <laughs> All right, let's go to Aaron Deer asking Bronwyn about the town she was born in, which was full of people who were strongly devoted to Morgoth, which sort of offends her, but they have bigger problems than bigotry. Horden has been burned to the ground. Yeah, again, beautiful. This fucking establishing shot with the giant butter moon. Uh, I like the, you know, Aaron Deer's having to wrestle with the fact that he loves this woman and she is from evil stock. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe your preconceptions about these people are are, are wrong. Uh, I've got friends and close kin. They're good people. And also yeah. their village has been raised to the ground. That's, you know, you can feel sympathetic about that. But as a viewer, I'm looking at this sword of Sauron and I'm thinking, yeah. well, why is that? Why is that around her? You know, it's it's sure. Hmm. That certainly seems very Morgothy to me. But mm-hmm. what do I know? Uh, all right, we go back to the Sundering Sea, which uh, Galadriel continues to sail on. Her armor is removed. The boat approaches the entrance to Valinor, but with her brother's words ringing in her ears and his sword or his dagger ringing on her belt, she changes her mind and jumps overboard uh, with just the dagger. Simultaneously, 
a comet streaks through the sky, crashing down just outside the Harfoot camp. And a diseased leaf falls at the Elf King's feet. And the final scene here is Nori investigating the crater and finding a sleeping man surrounded by flames. Did you the, what, what did you think this crater resembled been seen from above? Oh. I oh, you didn't get the symbolism? Now that, now that you say Fuck. it, is it the eye? The eye of sorrow? The lidless eye wreathed in flame mm. is what I got definitely from this guy. Uh, this is something that the Lorehounds have been debating, you know, like who is the meteor man? I guessed it was sure. going to be Gandalf, even though that's wildly out of canon, his appearance in the world this easy. Because, I mean, how can you resist getting a Gandalf-like figure in there? Uh, I think they were going for one of the blue wizards, one of the wizards uh, who is like the gray and the white and the brown. But, you know, we don't know very much about them. They kind of disappeared from the records. There's a lot of freestyling you could do there. And they might be right. But I'm getting big Sauron-type vibes from this guy. Big time. And yeah. I've got and more we'll to talk. say about that in the next episode. Sure, sure. Yeah, big time. I love how the meteor is something that connected all the plot lines, like all the peoples uh-huh. of Middle Earth are seeing this. Um, the like, even like, oh my god, my heart sung so much when we saw Ints. There was Ints and Int children running to an Int wife that we've never seen before. Fu- what I hope- version were you watching? I missed that entirely. It's so it's it's because it's, it's it's just a forest, and you'll notice the forest will start moving, and there's like a little Int that runs wow. to a bigger Int, and like you know, That's like cool. sees and he's scared of the media. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, there's fucking Ints. We might never see them again. But I never expected see, to see them at all, and this is fucking, fucking cool. Rock. You're looking down at the ground. I'm the boat, baby. <laughs> Got your I'm eyes the boat, looking up at the sky, watching. That's the comet. right. And I thought it was really cool. I, I was like, "What are they going to? What is her brother going to say? That's not going to seem stupid." And I honestly say, mm-hmm. like, um, "How do you know you got the stars at night? They're reflected in the calm sea. Like, how do you know which are the the real and which is the darkness?" And he said, sometimes we don't know which light to follow until we have touched the darkness. And that gave her the confidence to be like, you know what? Fuck it. YOLO. I'm uh, I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in the literal darkness here and and rejecting the light because you can tell like this is an orgasmic experience for the other elves. This is like everything they've always wanted to never knew they did. And it's something that she knows, like, you know, like she's like, I miss this more than any of you guys. And she turns her back on it to clutch her dagger and fulfill her vow. Yeah. Uh, possibly dooming the entire land, depending on those, uh, whatever, you know, uh, Elrond and Elf King saw. I don't know his name. And this is how you also, you know, the Gil Galad's not a bad guy because he sees that leaf turned up and he's not like, <laughs> everything is going. He's like, oh shit. You know, like this is bad. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, that's the end of the episode. It's a good place. It is to the leave end it. of the episode. It's very exciting. Yeah, uh, of course. If you want to know more about the lore, because I, I asked John, the the chief lore hound, uh, what he, he would score on a score from like one to ten on lore accuracy. He said a generous. I'll be. Uh, I'll give it a generous six. And he wasn't like from a place of like mm-hmm. this is bullshit. It's just like there. I, I did get the feeling that there was a lot of like faith to the spirit. But there was a definite like reordering and simplification of different things and simplifications of timelines to where um, which, you know, fair enough. Like I would rather them do that and lean into the characters and give me reasons about like 
And I do like I know like exactly why I should care about every one of the featured characters just going into the first episode. And that's pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. And the only lore I give a shit about hasn't happened yet. It's the lore of the rings. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. They yeah. Can like this is all about the me. rings of power and we haven't gotten we haven't even sniffed a hint of them yet. So, right. right. Uh, if you would like to send. So, like I said, Monday, if you want to get a deep dive in the lore, the lore hounds are returning Monday. Uh, to give their their lore breakdown and uh, discuss you know the Tolkien of it all and give their thoughts about the episode and then we'll be back later on the week I think Wednesday for a feedback sesh we will be having Dave uh, David and John from the Lorehounds join us to help us out on some of the trickier lore questions if you would like to send in any of that stuff uh, please do so at dug too deep at baldmove.com is the email address that you'll be using to get in your feedback. Doug too deep at baldmove.com. Of course, you can go to our discord at discord.baldmove.com uh, to follow along there. We got extensive threads, spoiler, non-spoiler. Um, and uh, I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so glad that this first two episodes of both these shows are strong and they're really bringing, they're really bringing their a game. They're really taking it to us. Fantasy fans and may the best series win. Yeah. We'll be back real soon for a second episode. In fact, it's probably already dropped by the time you're hearing this. Uh, until then, I am Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya in a bit.